on this edition of the Cubs Talk Podcast, brought to you by Wintrust, home of Cubs checking with free ATMs nationwide. Tim Stebbins, Gordon Wittenmeyer, and I talk with Kristen Call, the brand new general manager of Cubs low A affiliate, the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Wintrust, we know true fans show their team pride every chance they get. With Cubs checking, you'll score a Cubs debit card so you can show your support every time you pay. Open today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Talk. $100 required to open. Member FDIC. Let's play two. Back, 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 back. Way back. It might be. It could be. It is. Holy cow. The fly. He scores. Welcome into the Cubs Talk Podcast, brought to you by Wintrust, home of Cubs Checking with free ATMs nationwide. With Tim Stebbins, Gordon Wittenmeyer, I'm David Kaplan, and Kristen Call is the general manager of the Cubs affiliate Myrtle Beach. They are the low A affiliate. First of all, Kristen, congratulations. Uh, you're one of the few female general managers in all of baseball, and you're amazing at your job as I did my prep for this. I talked to a few different people that said that is a rising superstar in the game. So congratulations to you. Thank you very much. It's a uh, it's an honor for sure. So hey, Kristen, I'll... we, Go we ahead, had a please. chance to meet briefly in September when I was down there uh, doing some stories, but not not a lot of chance to talk. What's your background? How'd you get into baseball in the first place? I needed an internship, right? Like I just needed to be able to graduate college. Um, no, I. Uh, one of the guys that I knew um, through my, my university um, had a job in sales with the local minor league team. And uh, a friend from high school said, you know, hey, why don't you look into um, an internship with a sports team? Because everybody else in my class uh, was working for the getting their hours with, you know, local TV studio or something like that. I, I wasn't hearing great reviews back from them. I wanted something different. And uh, tried it out. I actually um, put all of my eggs in one basket. Thankfully, it worked out. But I, I uh, pestered the gentleman in the sales department as much as I could until he hired me. So I wanted to ask you about being a female in this sport and rising to the level where you're a general manager. What is A, your long-term plan is it to be a major league general manager a major league team president and who are some of the role models that you looked at in the sports world that you went I'm patterning myself after that person 
I always hate this question. I do. Um, you know, even in uh, interviews over the years, right? They say, well, hey, what's the five-year plan? What's the 10-year plan? Um, I, I don't have one. And I know that's, that's not the, what is it? Be where your feet are. Yeah. And honestly, I, I, I really believe in, um, you know, if, if you like what you do, if you like who you do it with um, and you're happy, like, you know, there's going to be some opportunities that come along. And if that opportunity is right for you to, to move up, to move along, you know, whatever. Um, great. That's, that's honestly how I landed in Myrtle beach. Um, it was, it was an opportunity that I felt was right for me um, right at the time. And I'm extremely happy to be where I am. Um, I've told folks that, that I work with that GM was never a, a goal of mine. Um, not that I'm going to turn it down, right? Like, this is great. Um, but I, I think that if, if you put in the work and, again, you like who, who you work with, what you do, um, the right opportunities are going to come along. And that's just kind of the, the motto, I guess, that I subscribe to. So it, it's not really maybe the, the popular theory. I don't have a, a line chart that, you know, by, by whatever age I need to be here, there, and, and anywhere. But um, it's worked out thus far. So I'm going to hang with that plan. Have you had people uh, reach out to you, uh, young people in the business, maybe young women in the business, uh, pick your brain? And, you know, do you, do you, do you, do you feel that? I, I hate asking a question like that because it shouldn't be an issue, but obviously it is. You're, you're, you're one of the very few. And uh, I, I wonder if uh, you're, you're feeling almost a, a role model uh, since. That's been the question that I've gotten over the last probably week or so. Um, and... It is a very heavy thing, I think, to, to think about and, and realize. Um, but whether it's an upcoming um, female, male, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I think one thing that, that minor league baseball and, and folks within this industry do really well is, um, you know, we want to educate folks and, and bring them up. And we want everyone in minor league baseball to be um, really successful. Uh, our, our internship and, you know, summer associate program, um, we have a really high placement rate at the end of the year. Uh, if we look back at the folks that have gone on, from, from Myrtle Beach and um, just really risen through the industry, whether that's sports or gone on to great things outside of baseball. Um, that's something we take a lot of pride in, male or female. So I, I don't know, I, I guess I've always, I've, I've never felt that I've had to work harder because I'm a female. Um, I think the, the work ethic that was instilled in me by my parents is just, that's, that's who I am. Um, and I also have been fortunate to work for, um, folks that have never treated me different because I was a female. So, and certainly that is not everyone's experience. I can appreciate that. So I think when, when I get, get the question of, you know, what kind of mentorship is being done? Like we, we really try to help anybody and everybody. And um, minor league baseball, uh, there was a, a women in a women in baseball and a, a lift program. So it was really, they would pair, um, females in the industry that had been in for, I believe it was 10 or more years with somebody who had been in, or maybe it was five or more years with anybody who had been in less than five years to try to help, help grow, grow those folks within the industry, um, which is a great program. And, you know, a lot of those folks still stay connected, but when you look at, you know, then or you'd ask if, um, if there was anybody within the industry that I kind of look up to, and certainly there are, um, some of our men, some are women, um, you look at, I just spoke to her last week at, at winter meetings, um, Katie Dana Miller with the, uh, Greensboro grasshoppers. Like she was one of the first women that I met in baseball 
Um, and she was a rock star, you know, 15, 16 years ago when I met her and was already at a, at a high level. And um, we've become friends. She's certainly a, a, a valued um, ear when, when you need to lean on somebody. And I think finding those relationships, male or female, and I've, I've had great male role models throughout all of this. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm starting to ramble a little bit. So I'll see if that answered your question and we'll go from there. Tim? Yeah, totally. And I, I think this might sound like kind of a, a silly question, but I'm I'm just a little curious about like since you've got the new role, how does your your day to day responsibility change, and and what what does uh, your position now on a kind of a day to day basis? What is that like? What does it maybe entail? Well, this is really I think only the second or third day that I've been in the office since all this happened, but um, I, I think that's something that's going to evolve. Um, and to be honest, I think it's an evolution that's probably been happening over the last couple of months, um, Ryan, our, our team president and I, like we really, it's it's very much a, a two-headed monster. And I think we work well together and complement each other. Like our, our strengths are different, um, but we also, where one is deficient, the other one has a, a strength in that area. So I think we complement each other really well. And I guess deficient is probably the wrong word, but um, I think the evolution of, of the role and, and the job and what it will be is, uh, it will continue to happen. Um, thankfully, it wasn't like I, I walked in the door on Monday and they said, okay, well, don't worry about everything else you were doing. And, and here's the new, here's the new guidebook, right? Um, which I, I think is going to be really helpful. And if we're not ever changing and ever learning, then what's the point, you know? So in terms of interaction with Jed Hoyer and his team in Chicago mm-hmm. and Howard and guy guys that are like that, how much interaction is there between Baseball ops in Myrtle Beach, baseball ops in Chicago. Um, I mean, I think there's some. Most of that is certainly it, it's not much on the day to day stuff. Um, you know, the the PDL tells us what we need to provide and can expect on on both sides, and and we make sure that we're being good partners and and meet those. And um, certainly, there's some conversations from from time to time. But um, even last year, right, like it was very different. There wasn't a whole lot of interaction there couldn't have been with the with the clubhouse and, and baseball ops on that side so we operate the business we focus on on having fun um, and making sure the fans are, are having a good time um, the on-field product is, is something that we've never been able to control um, when they're having a great game we like to lean into it and make sure everybody is having more fun because who doesn't like a winning team who doesn't like a big hit you know um, gosh I think we had two walk-off bunts this year like that's that's insane when does that ever happen? Hey, uh, Kristen, I know you were just at the winter meetings, right? For the because they canceled them for the major league side, but mm-hmm. there was still a minor league winter meetings, which made me think. Uh, people see the shutdown and the lockout, and they think baseball is just dormant, but that's not the case. How much are you doing? How much are you able to do while the lockout's going on? We're moving right along. Um, we're there's going to be a full minor league season, um, so for us. It, it, it hasn't changed. Um, we're still preparing to welcome folks back into the ballpark on April 12th. I had to check my calendar there, but um, yeah, uh, so we're excited. We've got 66 games coming this summer and planning on all of the, the fun things now and um, what we can do for folks and how we're going to entertain them and, and pack this ballpark in, in 2022. You, you just said 
Uh, obviously preparing for a full season, but obviously 2020 was, a, there was no season in the minor leagues. And we kind of saw that on the big league side and all the ways the, the season was impacted. But for, for the minor leagues in, in Myrtle Beach, what was that year like for you guys when all of a sudden there's just, it's it came to a standstill until obviously this past April? Gosh, yeah, I think it was a, uh, maybe the most difficult, if it, yeah, the most difficult year I think that anybody's ever ever lived through and, and worked through. Um, so we got really creative trying to, to use the facility for some different things. Um, had to get really smart about what we were saying yes to and, and what made sense, what didn't. Um, but, you know, as, as tough of a year as it, it was, um, I think there's certainly lessons that we, we took from it. Um, and hopefully we can continue to apply those as, as we move forward and, and you know, figure out, you know, finding our way through 2021, again, continuing to find our way through 2022. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to argue that that was the most difficult and odd, just funky year ever. Um, but you try to learn what you can and, and, and move forward. In terms of Ed Howard, he's a Chicago kid. He was drafted during the pandemic, so he lost out on that development other than what they did at the alternate site in South Bend. Now he's been down there. What can you tell us about Ed, the player, and Ed, the young man, as he begins this journey? Yeah, and, and you know, the Ed, the young man, I think, you know, we didn't really get to see too, too much of that. Um, I think our broadcaster, Sam Wiederhaft, was able to to do a, a profile and, and have a conversation um, virtually with, with him. But because of the separation, you know, we, we didn't get to spend as much time with the guys as, as we would um, historically. But I think on the on the field and, and what we kind of heard through some of those those virtual discussions was it was really a, a year for him to just learn and get back into the groove. You know, that's a, a long time to go without actually playing a lot of competitive baseball and certainly making a, a big jump from, you know, high school ball to, to pro ball. But um, you would see a lot of he made some fantastic defensive plays. And I think that's what it was a lot of fun um, for me to watch. And I don't get. Uh, an opportunity too much to, to stand and watch too much of the game, but um, kind of looking back through highlights and you see those moments, um, Ed and even a couple of the other guys really made, there were phenomenal defensive plays, I think made this past year, which is really fun for the fans to see, makes great clips and highlight reels for social media. Um, but I, I think you'll continue to see um, Ed really progress. And I, my impression was that, look, if you're going to take this year and not get too caught up in, I have to be X, Y, Z, but, but take the time and, and put in the reps day in and, and day out to, to make those strides and make that progression. That's what you want to see. Did you get an impression when uh, they traded away all those high profile, all-star core guys at the big league level, that there was any buzz going on down there? Uh, any, any added energy? I know I talked to a couple of guys and asked them about it. Um, you know, they said a lot of the right things and kept their head on straight, but I'm wondering if you're in the minor leagues, watching what's going on at the big league level, maybe you see opportunities open up and that kind of thing. You know, I, I can't say that I, I did. Um, but, you know, when you see stuff like that, and honestly, later in the year, I think you were down there probably around that time. There were some other folks um, coming down to just, there were a lot of um, high picks, high draft picks in Myrtle Beach. So that's, that's one thing that's great about the minors to see, um, see these future stars before they're actually stars, right? Um, and you see a guy like, Ed Howard come through. You see a guy like Kevin Made or 
um, Owen Casey and, and just some, some fun guys that really um, find those, it, it makes the game exciting. And, and to see those, those guys while they're still young, while they're still developing. And, um, you know, later in the year, there was a lot of, um, I think, attention to some of those high draft picks. Was there ever a moment where you're in the stands and you look, you're like, why are all these scouts here tonight? Because, uh-oh, something must be going on. Have you ever had that in your career where you know something, maybe not to the nth degree, but your intuition tells you something's up? I mean, you, you see the, the scout list and, and the numbers go up. You, you figure something's going on, but I'll be honest, that is way above my pay grade. <laughs> Right. Like I, I'm worried about selling the hot dogs and making sure the guys are having a good time. If there's a cool story that comes out um, later that night or, or the next day, next week, um, and we can point back and say, hey, they, they were here like that's that, that can be cool. But um, I, I'll be honest, I don't pay too much attention to that. Tim? Yeah, I mean, I, I we you touched on Owen Casey and uh, when. I kind of was thinking before that, just DJ hers. That, that's a name that, uh, yeah. especially after the, the deadline, I feel like even before that, but it's someone that Cubs fans really started paying attention to, uh, attention to, and he got promoted obviously. And then the season to, to South Bend, what, what were your impressions of him this season and, and kind of what you saw of him uh, really after a, a lost year and in this kind of first extended run in the minors? I mean, I think any guy that goes out and throws seven to 10 strikeouts a game is going to catch your attention. And um, I mean, he's a big guy. He's a big presence on the mound. And to be honest, he's a lot of fun to watch. We're running a series right now that on, on our social account that's Thursday, um, right? Like I, our, our broadcaster kind of started that, that term and it, it caught on. But to sit back and, and watch these highlights from, from him just striking guys out left, right, and center – um, it is a lot of fun, and I think it's going to be um, – he's going to be a fun guy to watch over the next couple of years and see how he progresses and, you know, hopefully makes that jump. I think we'll steal that. I think we'll steal hers day when he yeah. gets to the big league. Hey, credit Sam Wiederhaft, right? Yeah, that, that's that's beautiful. I think we're going to have uh, – I mean, I'm in touch with Jordan Wogu about possibly coming on the pod maybe next week. Um, give me a good question to ask him. Oh, can I get back to you on that? Honestly, the and because of the the separation last year, um, honestly, our our broadcaster was probably the guy who had the most conversations with any player, and that all that was done virtually. So I let me if I can let me get back to you. I, I, I promise you, Sam will have a good question. Okay. Any any good highlights that I should reference? Oh gosh, I think he got one um, caught one off the wall, which is always nice, right? Um, saved one up and over. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll send you the link. He went up and over the left oh, awesome. field wall to, to rob a home run this year. So that's always a good one. Kristen, in terms of being a sports fan, I mean, you work in baseball. Are you a basketball fan, a football fan, or is the TV in your house you walk in and goes right to whatever game or show is on? Um, as far as the, the TV in my house pretty much goes to stuff I don't have to think about. Um, occasionally on the weekend, like definitely some sports, I, I um, definitely more football um, than, than basketball. Um, but, you know, a lot of times when I go home, it's really just turn something on, tune out, 
turn your mind off, you know, relax, escape for, for an hour or so and, and move on. Did you play any? <laughs> I, I did. I played several, actually. I um, played softball all growing up. That was kind of my primary sport as a kid. Um, but then uh, went to I was on a volleyball scholarship in uh, in college, played softball for a couple of years, um, played golf for two years in college and um, had to participate in indoor track for a semester. So <laughs> how much do you get out and play golf now? Not as much as I would like, but uh, there are more than enough courses around here. Yes, and, I've uh, played we, we played in a ton of, uh, of charity tournaments. Um, I couldn't tell you the last time I had to play my own ball all the way from start to finish. I like the scramble format. If I had to go out and play my own ball right now, I don't even want to think about what my score would be. It's never a bad day on the golf course in Myrtle Beach, though. It's amazing down there. That is true. That is true. You guys will have to come down. We can go for a round. That'd be awesome. Tim? Yeah, I feel like I think this is something I was thinking about before and we, we haven't got to yet. The, can you just talk a little bit about the, the change in the minor leagues and, and the housing that's that's being talked about and being set up and providing housing for the players and kind of where that is at and, and what that means for, for those guys in, the, in those levels? Yeah, it's certainly a change that, that we've seen, and I think one that was probably coming. Um, but um, all that now is being handled by the uh, the major league clubs, so they're working through trying to figure out what those solutions are in, in each community. It, uh, so I talked to a couple of the guys. It sounded like um, at one point, I think one of the guys I talked to said he had five roommates at, at one point. And then I mm -hmm. talked to somebody who was in the stands, uh, uh, looked like a season ticket holder, a guy, a, you know, guy in the community who was a host, you know, he was a host family. And he talked about a number of guys that went through um, his, his home. What, what has been the common method for this? Is it more host families? Is it guys just getting together a whole bunch of guys kicking in a couple hundred bucks and getting replaced? I think it really is probably market by market and just trying to figure out what, um, what works, but you know, now with it being provided by the major league club, I think it'll be, um, a lot more seamless and easier for these guys to transition from um, from level to level. How much social media, how much does that play a role in what you guys do to promote your team? The players have their own brands. And mm -hmm. how much does that come together? Gosh, social media, um, we view that, and it's a kind of a turn of phrase that um, Ryan, our team president, had, had come up with. But we really view our, our social media as our front porch light. Um, in 2020, when we couldn't have our front door, or our gates open, we had to make sure that our, our front porch light stayed on and people knew that we were still here. So social media, as important as it, it's always been, was incredibly important through 2020. Um, and we actually have a full-time fan engagement manager who handles our social media. Um, certainly one of the few teams at, at this level, I think, that has a full-time social media manager. Um, but in some of the welcome kits that we send the players, um, we, you know, say, Hey, this is our handle on, on all of the different sites. Um, please use these hashtags if, if you do that. Um, but share your, your handles with us. Cause if you want us to like, we want to tag you in these things. We want to help, um, introduce you to our fan base, um, and help elevate your brand if, if we can. Um, and I think a lot of the, um, 
especially a lot of the the highlights, the post game highlights and, and clips that were coming out um, this year. You see the guys really engaging with those and, and sharing and, and retweeting, and um, that's we love to see um, them playing off of us, and we'll try to play off them if it if it makes sense. But um, social media is a is a massive uh, part of our organization and our business. Um, that's that's how fans connect to you, right? It's, and it's not just how they connect to you. It's it's an opportunity to to have a conversation with them, um, and it's the same thing for the for the players too. So, I feel like one thing that was a uh, from in Chicago at least, probably even further out than that, that, that was a big hit was the beer bat. Where did that idea come from, and and how big of a hit was that? Because whenever I would see it on Twitter, I'd be like, man, I wish that was at whatever ballpark, Chicago Stadium. It seems it's like I need to go down there to try that just that alone. Yeah, that was something that came up um, really kind of out of the blue. Uh, it was the first um, – actually, it was the first Sunday. It was the last Sunday in, in May, um, the only Sunday in May. And uh, it was uh, – we were still at 50% capacity. It was going to be a little bit lighter crowd, obviously. And um, the night before, uh, a guy was in town and had tweeted and said, hey, it's Dollar Beer Day here at the at the ballpark, and they also have this really awesome beer bat. Um, people took that as the beer bats were a dollar, which was not what he said. And, and it wasn't true, but it spurred all of this uh, attention and, and sharing and re- retweeting and everything else. And we walked in Sunday and, oh my gosh, the, uh, the numbers on that were insane. And we just said, Ryan said, oh, maybe I'll take the night off and I'll sit in the beach. And if people want, they can buy a beer bat. I'll drink it on their behalf and we'll send it. I mean, I thought, I think we, we talked and said, if we get 10 to 20 of these things, that'd be great. No problem. If we sell 20 of these, that'd be a fantastic night. We've had some fun with it and we move on. Um, lo and behold, it was 900 beer bats later. It all finally finished up. Um, and it wasn't all that night, but within the, the time span, 900 beer bats. It, it was insane. And it, it's kind of funny. Um, we weren't the only people selling them. We weren't the first people selling them. The Hartford Yard Goats were the first to, to do so. And um, us and many other teams in minor league baseball have been selling them since 2019. Um, but one well-placed tweet, and now it's the hottest item out there. Um, you better believe they're going to be available here. And uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to be available probably in most minor league ballparks across the country. Well, we appreciate you taking time for us. It is going to be interesting to watch some of these guys like Owen Casey and Ed Howard and some of the others, as they rise through the system, you will always look. If they make it big, guess what? They got their start right here. Right here. So we're very happy for you, your promotion, and we'll see where your career heads as well. Thanks a lot. Congrats, and thanks for coming on. Absolutely. All right. That is a wrap for this edition of the Cubs Talk Podcast, brought to you by Wintrust, home of Cubs checking with free ATMs nationwide. Thank you to Kristen Call, the general manager of the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. Thank you, Gordon Wittenmeyer, Tim Stebbins, Tony Gill. I'm David Kaplan. We will talk to you next time on the Cubs Talk Podcast. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. 
Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.